will turn to Isaiah chapter 9. I will not be long. I don't want to preach long. You don't want to listen to me for a long time. So we'll have this mutual agreement. Um, if you will turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. This is, this is kind of like the Christmas passage, right? It, it really is said a lot during Christmas. But in reality, when this was penned by Isaiah, it was an absolutely chaotic time uh, for the children of Israel. They were in the midst of being exiled from their home in Israel and in Jerusalem. And they were being carried off to Babylon uh, sworn enemies, people they did not like. They were having their culture completely changed, and it did not feel like there was any peace or any hope for the future. And at that point, and in that context, these verses were written. And I always give this terrible analogy. Who in here loves the city of St. Louis? St. Louis, Missouri, down the road? Yeah, you guys, yeah all right. Kansas Cityans. Um, imagine that... Uh, few buses pulled up outside of the church, loaded us up without telling us. We didn't get to say goodbye to our families or turn off our stoves or anything. They took us to St. Louis and they made us live there, wear Cardinals gear, go to some random church over there and uh, changed our names. Be like, not here for that. Not here. Like that ain't cool at all. I usually talk to youth, so just roll with me. If the analogies are bad, just roll with me. Um, that's what the children of Israel were dealing with, though. They were literally uprooted from their homes. There was, they were living in a place that they did not like. In fact, they actually despised it. Many of their loved ones were killed in the process, and they probably had some sort of resentment towards God, if we're being honest. They probably weren't super pumped with him. And here comes Isaiah, and he, he gives some hope to the nation, and this is the way that he gives it through these verses. And he says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Everybody say Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over its kingdom to establish it and uphold it will justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So for just a few minutes tonight, it is 730 already. I would just like to talk to you from this topic in search of peace. In search of peace. So I have some definitions of peace. Depending on the context um, that peace is being used, it's got different definitions. So here's four of them. A state of tranquility. This sounds nice. Just reading it sounds nice. A state of tranquility or quiet, such as freedom from a civil disturbance. If anybody's ever been part of a civil disturbance, you, you, you value peace a little bit more. My old neighborhood, I have some stories, but I value peace a lot now because... It's not always a given. Uh, a state or security of order within a community provided by law or custom. This is a good one. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Basically, freedom from peace in your head, right? From your thoughts and the things that you're dealing with. And then harmony and personal relations. So all of those things sound really nice. Any definition of peace, I'm here for it. Like, they all sound really nice. And in fact, the older I get the more I see peace as like the key ingredient to having a good life. Like, it's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a big deal. You, you, could, you could make an argument that it's right up there with health. Like, you, you don't want to be walking around in conflict all the time. It's heavy. And so when peace is present, it's often taken for granted. Like, if we have peace, a lot of times we take it for granted. But when it's gone, it becomes the one thing that everybody's pursuing. You don't always acknowledge it when it's present, but when it's gone you're going to notice it and you're going to be pursuing after it in any way that you can. 
And so I would like to take you to a time when I was not alive, but many of you in here maybe were. Um, so I acknowledge, I acknowledge that if I come across as naive on the topic, some of you lived through it, just roll with it. You, you can catch me afterwards. But it, it is the 60s and 70s, 1960s and 1970s, and there was a whole generation obsessed with finding peace during these decades. They were looking for it, man. And uh, this generation is lovingly referred to today as the boomers, <laughs> or the baby boomers. Um, they were born in the 40s and 50s, and they became young adults in the 60s and 70s, and they became adults in a world that was not experiencing peace at all. They really weren't. Uh, this generation watched and heard stories from their parents about World War II, a war that killed, get this, 50 million people. I just think about that. That's like almost as many people on Highway 152 when you're trying to get out of Liberty. Like, it's like almost all of those people gone. <laughs> uh, this generation saw an atomic bomb dropped on two cities, the only generation to actually have that happen. An atomic bomb dropped on two cities and instantly 200,000 people were dead within minutes and two cities ceased to exist. Just gone. This is, this is the world that they lived in. They, they were the generation that had newspaper articles coming out, and obviously they didn't have the, the rapid advancement of technology that we do, so they would hear from whatever news source, maybe the radio, maybe through the paper, and they would hear about something called the Holocaust, where millions of Jews were being found dead in Europe, and they, just for no real reason at all. And this generation was coming to adulthood with all of this chaos going on in the world. And like COVID was rough, and there were some bad things that's happened in the world, but this is an all-timer right here. Like all of this stuff that this generation was dealing with was crazy. And so they grow up in a Cold War environment. And I remember like even when I was in like elementary school, they would do these earthquake drills and like these bomb drills where you'd hide under the desks and things like that. And that was a real reality for this generation that, hey, at any moment, you know, our world could be completely just torn apart by this, these bombs and these things that everybody had. It was a very rough time honestly, to be alive. From what I hear, wasn't there, just to, just to clarify from what I've read in the textbooks. They saw friends who were sent away to war in Vietnam. Um, many of them, their stories of them taking entire classes, right? Graduating from high school and going straight into a war that they did not want to be a part of and that they did not necessarily agree with. And so chaos and fear are just rampant in society in the 60s and 70s. And so as a result, this whole generation, like them or not, I, we love them, but like regardless of like the political views that you view, right? They were searching for peace. This generation is looking for peace. And how did they look for peace? Well, I'm going to give you some, some ways that they did. One was the hippie movement, right? <laughs> it was created as a way to promote peace above everything else. They shunned societal norms and expectations that had failed an entire generation. Many teenagers and young adults pursued this type of anti-establishment lifestyle trying to flee society and run from the problems of the world. They had the hippie movement. My generation has like the van movement where you're like, you, you get like a cool van and you go live in Colorado for a while. But these guys, buses, San Francisco, they're heading out. Anything to just get away from societal norms. Um, illicit relationships all of a sudden were accepted and were on the rise. And they were promoted through the whole free love movement, which as you can imagine, led to a lot of complications and a lot of problems, one of which uh, was the Roe versus Wade ruling in the 70s that led to abortions and a whole, lot of, a whole lot of issues arose from that as well. 
illegal substances were everywhere for the first time in our country. They were, they were everywhere. Recreational drugs burst onto the scene. Their use was so prevalent and sudden that terms like psychoactive addiction and dependence were added to medical journals as the healthcare and psychology world tried to keep up with all of these drugs that were now available to pretty much anybody who wanted them. And musical experiences such as Woodstock became the breeding ground for this new lifestyle. And the concert slogan, look at the, I'm not gonna ask if anybody knows, but the concert slogan of Woodstock was this, three days of peace and music. That was the whole point of Woodstock. It didn't work out, other things happened. Uh, but we have the benefit of hindsight. So now we can stand here and we can look back at the 60s and 70s with a degree of calm recognition that uh, this generation sought for peace. They really did. I mean, look, it's on the sign up there. They're looking for peace. But they didn't find it. And here's the reason why. And this is kind of obvious, but you need to know this. Humanity can't create their own peace. You can't do it. If you're looking for peace, you're not, you're not going to create it. You're not going to find it in substances. You're not going to find it in relationships. You're not going to find it in experiences. You're not, you're not even going to find it living in an awesome van on the banks of the San Francisco Bay. It's just not there. Peace doesn't exist in that way. You're not going to manufacture peace. But today, we are still looking for peace in a lot of different ways. And, and society as a whole is still obsessed with finding peace. Nobody wants to live in conflict. Nobody wants to constantly be stressed out about things. But for some reason, we just keep turning to the same things when we're looking for peace. And one of those things is music. Did you know? I didn't know this, so I'm not going to pretend that I walked around with this information in my head. But the music industry is worth over $25 billion annually. That's a, a billion dollars. That's insane. That's how much money this industry makes every single year, not just like over a span, every single year. How about substances? Did you know? Did you know? Americans, just Americans, not even talking about the Europeans, just Americans, spend over $37 billion every year on beer. Just beer, not even, not even the high dollar stuff, right? We're just talking about beer. $37 billion annually, and that's it's just America. How about videos and entertainment? The average American family spends $240 a month on entertainment services. It's a lot of money. I, I used, used to, that'd be a car payment, but with inflation, good luck. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what you're going to do with that. Get gas once, but <laughs> it's going up, yay. How about social media? Did you know that the average American spends two and a half hours a day on social media? Two and a half hours. $240 a month on entertainment, two and a half hours a day on social media. All of these things are just ways that society seek to acquire some temporary peace, to find a moment of freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions, right? Just those thoughts in our head, like, I don't want to think, I just want to watch this. I don't want to think, I'm just going to drink this because I know that it's going to numb the pain for at least a minute and I can have some peace from what's going on in here. And that's what society continually turns and looks for. So. The, the, the challenge is this. The world is looking for peace, but they're looking in the wrong place continually. They really are. And the Bible tells us of another prince. We already talked about the prince of peace. But the Bible uses this, this term prince in another instance. And it's important to note that when the Bible talks about a prince in this context, based on the research that I have done, <laughs> 
it's funny because I did a lot of research trying to find it, and it was just, people were like, it's a prince. It's like the second in command. You have the king, then you have the prince. And I was like, it's got to be more. There wasn't more. A prince is a ruler over a specific group of people or over a certain region, right? You're not the king yet. You're not ruler over everything, but you are ruler over a certain area or a certain group of people. And the Bible tells us about this prince in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Everybody say me. Me. It was like to you or me, us. We'll say us. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all, everybody say all. all, it's us, had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Interesting, talking about a prince, somebody who has authority, not all authority, but does have authority over a specific area and a specific type of people. And the Bible tells us that those type of people are the children of wrath, right? They're the children of disobedience. And so Lucifer as a fallen angel does have authority on this earth. We're like, oh, that old devil, silly guy. No, he's been dealing with humanity for thousands and thousands of years. He knows that's, that's honestly why society keeps looking in the same directions and keeps failing over and over and over. They're, they're under the influence of a prince who is very good at deceiving people. And so what does the spirit of the prince of the power of, your, of the air influence us and try to do? Well, it said it in those verses. The first thing is with conversations. Right? I talked about our vain conversations. The way that we speak matters. It really does. And if we're seeking for peace, the way that we speak, the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And we talk about that. Speak life. I think there's a whole Toby Mac song about it. Awesome songs. Toby Mac's amazing. Speak life, right? But you can also speak death as well. You can speak death into your situations. You can speak death into your relationships. You can speak death into your own, your own uh, confidence with God. You can speak a negative way. And, and he wants to influence in a way that our conversations are no longer under the influence of God, but are actually under the influence of wrath and anger. The other thing I talked about was the desires of the flesh, the things that we desire to take part in and to be entertained by. We talked about entertainment a little bit, but what we put into our eyes and into our ears it has a long-term effect on us. It's going to vex our soul or it's going to uplift our soul. We have control about what we put into it, but once it's in there, I'm telling you, you don't have great control about how it's going to make you feel. And so that's something that we have to be very careful of. Also, desires of the mind. The thing that we think about, the things that we think about, the things that we dwell on. We keep ourselves in either a peaceful place with God or we entertain things that alter our personality and our mood based on our thoughts. And I can tell you, it's not super easy because thoughts come and thoughts go. It's a continual battle, but it is a battle that we have to fight, and it is a battle that we have to not give any ground to this influence in our minds and the way that we think, and it does matter. And the Bible tells us that if, if by nature, if we're not under God's authority, then we're acting in our natural flesh, then we are under the influence of this prince, and we are acting as children of wrath. That's it. So said it in Ephesians. And so the meaning is this, the end result of pursuing peace through this world is wrath or anger and frustration and disappointment. It's the end result every single time. It might get packaged a little bit different every single time, and people keep walking and trying to find peace in this different way, or they'll walk down this avenue and try to find peace in a different way, but the end thereof is always going to be wrath and anger 
and frustration because that is what that spirit leads us to. It's literally the opposite of peace. And this prince is still working today. Proverbs 14, 12 says it like this. It's a great verse. I took too long. Now you've probably already read it. (laughs) There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Can't, we can't trust ourselves. If we're searching for peace on our own, we can't trust ourselves. We're get, we're, there's a way that seems right to us, but because of that influence and because of that draw that this world has, we're going to just keep falling down these well-worn paths, and we're not going to find peace. Maybe temporarily peace, maybe something that makes us feel good for a minute, but long-term, the Bible tells us the end thereof is death. I'm not here for that. So, my question to you all, it's rhetorical. You don't have to answer it. Where are you searching for peace tonight? Because we all are. We're all searching for it. Is it, man, if I can just get that promotion and I can just make more money, I'll just have peace. I don't have to worry about financial things. It's not the worst thing to think about. What if you're thinking about, man, if I could just have that relationship or if I could just have this experience or if I could just have everybody leave me alone or if this happened or that. Where, where are you searching for peace? Because it's probably going to seem right to you and to me. But if it's not the way that God has ordered us, we we don't want that kind of peace, even if it makes us feel good temporarily. So today we fall in line with a long, long, long list of people who have lived before us, who searched for peace. They looked for peace with each other. They looked for peace in their mind. They looked for peace in their relationships, but they just could not find it. And so I've got good news. Everybody look at your neighbor, say, he's got good news finally. (laughs) The Prince of Peace is in this building tonight. He's here. The Spirit is here. John 16.33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. This verse is significant. Jesus has overcome the world. There is a prince of this world, but Jesus is saying, hey, look, I have higher authority than this individual who's out here reigning in the world. And so if you come after me, the peace that I give you will be greater than whatever you experience in the world. It doesn't mean you're not going to have trouble, but it means that you can give that trouble to him and know that he is going to take authority over it and he's going to work it for our good. Doesn't mean he's going to work it to the, I have to tell myself this, it doesn't mean that he's going to work it to the way we want it to be worked, but he is going to work it for our good, so I'm thankful for that. Second Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace give you peace at all times. In every way, the Lord be with you all. See, he knows that with us, see, he knows that he's with us in every situation. So things that might stress us out, that might come against us, that might lead us into a place where all of a sudden we're stressed, we're overwhelmed, and we can't live in that state for long, pro tip, by the way. Some people can handle stress a little bit better. None of us were built to handle stress for long periods of time. So what's going to happen, because we're human, is we are going to seek relief from that stress in some way. 100% of the time you will. So you're either going to seek it in ways that bring you temporary pleasure in a worldly sense, or you're going to take that to God and you're going to give it to Him, and you're going to pray and you're going to cast your cares on Him. That's, that, those are your two options. And so it's so important to us that when we, when we read these verses and we see a verse like John 14, 27, and Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. It's important. There's separate. There's a temporary peace from the world, but the peace that I give you is not as the world gives. 
So don't let your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He's telling us, look, you're going to have problems, you're going to have situations, but the peace that I give is a peace that's going to be different than a peace that you're going to find from the world, and it's going to be true peace. His, his presence brings peace, comfort, and hope. So if you're wondering if God is in a situation, I'm always a little nervous talking to adults. I ain't going to lie. You guys have lived for God for so long, and there are people that have walked this way, and I hear stories every once in a while, and I put myself into those stories, and I, I would have messed that up. I would have totally not done that right. And uh, so it's tough making bold statements, but here we go. The presence of God brings peace. So if you're praying about a situation and you don't feel peace, there's a chance. I'm not saying it's definitive, but there's a chance that God's not in that situation, right? And if you feel the peace of God, then that means, hey, you know what? God's in this situation. And sometimes, sometimes it, can, it can feel kind of confusing. And if you're praying about something that you want really bad, a situation, a relationship, maybe a, a, a job decision, something, and you're, you're seeking it and you just don't feel release and you don't feel peace, but in your flesh, you're like, I, I just really want it. So maybe God's just being silent and he needs to talk louder because <laughs> it's like, I'm pretty sure God wants me to do this. And then when you do feel peace, when you step back from it, you recognize that God's presence is there, but I was just kind of turning away from it. So I say this all the time, but I heard it and I love it. So I just keep sharing it over and over. Um, God is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. He really is. The Bible tells us that. And so when he comes into your situation, he's going to bring peace. But here's the thing about the peace of God is it's not just going to come into your situation right now because he's the God who is, who was, and who is to come. So that means that he is going to bring peace to your situation, but he's also going to bring peace to your past. And he's also going to bring, bring peace to your future. And that's something that you can't get anywhere else in this world. You can't find peace. You can't reconcile your past without God. And you can look back there and you can say, man, I have done some really stupid things and I have not been amazing. I have not done this the right way. But you know what? God can come into your situation and he can look at what you think is a mess and he can bring forgiveness and reconciliation. We stop at, we stop at forgiveness, but he can bring reconciliation to your past as well. And he can give you peace with that. Doesn't mean that you don't feel bad about what you did, but now it's a testimony. And now you can point at your past and you can say, hey, you know what? God used that for good in the future because I gave it to him. But he doesn't stop there. He's also going to bring peace to your current situation that feels like absolute chaos, that feels like it's insurmountable, that just you wake up and it's a fog right in front of your face when you wake up and you're like, oh, another day and I'm dealing with this. He can bring pay peace right now, tonight, to your situation. And you can walk out of here 100% different than you walked in. That's how, that's how capable God's spirit and his power is. And he doesn't just stop with your current situation. He's going to look into your future. And you might look in your future and you might not see anything. You might not. You might not get past Taco Bell after church. You might not have any vision out there for anything else. But you know what? He can look out there and he can bring peace to that situation where you think this is like the pinnacle of your life spiritually. He sees things in the future and he's like, you know what? I can do things with their life that they don't even know about. There are people they are going to reach. There are messages they are going to preach. There are songs they are going to sing, and they are going to have an eternal kingdom impact. And that's the kind of peace that God brings when he brings it into our situation. And I'm so thankful for that tonight. Amen. Let's give a round of applause to Jesus for his peace. And once you have the spirit of God working in your life, 
it's possible to not only have peace for yourself, but here you go, you can bring peace to other people a little bit. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 tells us that if possible, I love this part, because so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. It's hard to do if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, I can tell you that. It's hard, it's hard to do that if you're trying to do it in the flesh, but when God's presence is with you, and when you're praying and you're like, you have the peace of God, you can look at people who maybe you haven't forgiven for years and you can offer forgiveness and genuinely mean it. You can look at relationships that need to be reconciled and he can do that and he can change things for you, but not just for you. He can change things for those people around you when his peace is in it. And he, he's given us that charge to live peaceably with all. And Matthew 5, 9 tells us this. This is how much God values peace and how much he values those people who seek after it and keep it. He said, blessed are the peacekeepers, for they shall be called the sons of God. That's awesome. God values people who who value peace. And he values people who keep peace, even at their own detriment sometimes. He values that. And so I am so thankful for the peace of God. And I'm actually wrapping this up. So if we're going acoustic, let's go. If we're going keyboard, let's go, whatever. If you want to head this way. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 told us that there was someone coming who would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That's what that text verse told us right at the beginning. And this is just me. This is just my thoughts after I read through this and studied it. But these verses are describing Jesus. We know that. They're, de- they're describing Jesus, his interactions, and his ability towards us. And so this is my thoughts. I believe that regardless if you believe in him or not, he's going to be the Everlasting Father. I believe that regardless if you believe in him or not, he's going to be the mighty God. I believe that if you believe in him or not, he's going to be wonderful. He's going to be that counselor. But the Prince of Peace is a little bit different. The Prince of Peace means that he has authority over a specific area. And you know what that area is? It's whatever you decide to give him. He's not going to walk into your situation and just be like, peace. Like, I don't want peace. I want to be mad. Tough. You have peace now. Enjoy it. Well, that's not it. He's the Prince of Peace, and he wants to be the Prince of Peace in your life, but you've got to give him authority, and you've got to move under his covering if you're going to have that peace in your life. And I say that, and we're like, hey, if we're new believers, let's go. Nah, I got to make that choice every single day with every single situation and every single interaction that says, you know what, I want God to be the Prince of Peace, but if he's going to be the Prince, he's going to have to rule over this situation, which means that my opinion has to come out of it, what I want has to come out of it, and I've got to put this under him. And see, so often people are pursuing peace, right? Society, everybody has always been pursuing peace. But the reality is that you will never find peace if you're not pursuing Jesus. That's the whole reality of it. See, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. They're synonymous. You're not just going to find peace and be like, oh, hey, Jesus was in here all along. It's not how it works. If you find Jesus, you will find peace. And it's important for us to know because, like, I was praying about this tonight, and I feel like sometimes my messages don't come across super clear up here. They probably don't downstairs, but they're not live streamed, so I don't have to worry about it. Hey, everybody on live stream, sorry I missed you. Um, And I was thinking about this, and like, God, what do you want me to say up there? You know, it's Wednesday. And uh, they're going to be fired up. Only the best people are going to be there, and, which is true. Only the best people were here. And uh, I really felt like God wanted to bring a spirit of peace to this church and to this congregation. Because you know what? We are in a building campaign. I don't know if you guys know that or not. 
And it can be really stressful sometimes to find peace when you're giving and a pledge, you're giving a pledge, you made a pledge and you're giving financially. And it can be tough. It can be tough to have peace in that moment because you're trying to pay bills and you're trying to do things that you feel like you need to do as a family and you're also wanting to honor your commitment to God. And that can be stressful probably for most of us. But you know what? He wants to bring peace into that situation, into our finances. And he doesn't want to just bring peace to our church-wide financial situation. He does. But he also wants to bring peace to our individual situations as well because he is the God of peace in that situation. He wants to bring peace to our relationships with each other, with our families, with our, with our community, the people that are around us. Because if, if his peace is in us, it's going to spread. It's gonna, people are going to interact with us and they're going to feel it. And they're going to notice it like, man, they're going through stuff, but they just have a peace about them. And it's such an important component of our relationship with him that that exudes out of. And so I think that God really does want to pour out his spirit tonight. And if you're here tonight and you don't have the Holy Ghost, I've got great news. You can walk down to an altar. You can pray. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And you can walk out that door with peace that passeth all understanding, meaning it don't even make sense, but you just have a peace about you. And if you're here and you've lived for God for a long time, guess what? Every day we have to bring our situations and we have to put it under the authority of the Prince of Peace. And maybe, just maybe, that's not been easy for us lately because of the situations. Maybe it's work, maybe it's home, maybe it's life, maybe it's finance. I don't know what it is. You can figure it out for yourself. But there's something that's hard for us to think about letting go of and giving to God. I feel like he wants to bring peace to that tonight. I really do. So if you'll stand with me. And I know that typically when altar calls happen, these gentlemen that sit on this front row take up this whole side. Well, you can't pray on this side. There's no room over here. <laughs> but tonight, nobody is up here. It's just us. Um, and I feel like God wants to, wants to pour out his spirit and wants to bring some peace to some situations. And so we have time. It's not even eight o'clock yet. So if you will take a minute and you'll just find a place to pray up here. And if, when you come, you can come now, come on up. And as you're coming, I ask that you would just be honest with yourself and say, God, there are some things that I have been holding on to that I want you to be Lord over and I want you to bring peace into. And I promise you, he's gonna meet you and he will bring peace to some situations that you didn't feel like were capable of having peace in. Thank you, Jesus.